Previously on Story Jazz, Ghost Hunters. I am strong and full of liquid power, John. Are you strong and full of liquid power? I am strong and full of liquid power, Joanne. Faisal grabs the lid, and finally he can see inside. The horrifying corpse of Terence Horsley. And then he sees it twitch. Is that you, Terence? You wouldn't happen to have another padlock with you, would you? <laughs> Harry. What? You gotta check this out. We're not going out. No, no, you gotta, you gotta come, you gotta come down here, Harry. Just try walking through. She steps up in front of the door and says, huh. yeah, we're, we're, we're cursed. So remember, Harry, the easiest way is to find a way to put the wraith to rest because the curse will leave with the wraith. And as she shuts the laptop, she notices that again, Anne slash Horsley is on their feet. They watch her open the door to the mold wing. I knew Nelson. He had a, a girlfriend. That's it. The wife has to be the wraith. It's not Nelson. Maybe, maybe Nelson's alive. You're almost there, Nelson says, and he puts a hand on his chest. On the tiny apron that he's been wearing since the very beginning. He pulls out a soup ladle in one hand. And a long fish-boning knife in the other. Should we just, should we start now? Are we, are we good? Can we, is this on? No, what? Hello? Hello? Oh, oh. Hi. Oh, oh, hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. Oh, my goodness. Hi, hi. Oh, my, oh, my, wow. Oh, my, wow. Uh, I'm Softy. <laughs> I'm Sam. And you're listening to Story Jazz again. <laughs> An improvised and narrative podcast uh, where we tell stories off the top of our tongue brain. And and you just listen and we hope it's good. And 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 <laughs> it's wholesome. And it's probably, probably, <laughs> it's probably pretty good so far. We, we're in chapter six of Ghost Hunters. So thank you for following along for this long. Or if you're just dropping in now, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> no, <laughs> no welcome. I appreciate, we appreciate welcome it. Welcome if you're dropping in now. We do recommend yeah. that you listen to the early episodes, but we'll do our best to remind you what you don't know. <laughs> Honestly, Safti, I think this is going to be an entertaining one because I'm very close to heat stroke. Okay. I've spent all day outside. So you're being, you're like delusional. Yeah. You're like, I did not yeah. use enough sunscreen. Okay. So that's, that's my mental state. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I am incredibly congested. I spent the whole morning all picking right. my nose with my face under the sink, trying to, trying to scrape the mucus off the back of my <laughs> oh tongue. Oh my God. Yes. A lovely image for all of our listeners. It's, uh, it's that time of year. It's a tough one. Anyway, you know what I think. You know what I think. We should reframe this as ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. Yes. I'm. I've just got a brain full of ghosts, and it's seeping. It's seeping through my nose. And oh, I just, just got to get I rid of to, it. I need to tell this story. You need to liberate need to just, your soul in this ugh, episode. So liberate your soul with me, John. <laughs> I'm. I'm with you, Joanne. Um, we're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna get that congestion out of you now by doing an episode of Story Jazz. Let's jump in with. You got an idea for an opening scene? Um, so I feel like our most tense situation is the, the kids and Nelson Cameroon. So of course we need to start not there. Yeah, actually I'm with you. Let's let's go to see what Faisal is doing, huh? So okay, uh, can I just bring us in? Sure. And, and we just go. It's the middle of the night, right? It's the middle of the night. Faisal is driving 
our beautiful Middle Eastern man who's nervously looking at his rearview mirror at the disappearing schoolhouse converted into a church in the background, caught between two elm trees and the only thing that stands between our Dr. Faisal and the stuff of literal nightmares is the lock, the extra lock <laughs> that our Titus Horsley just happened to have in his pocket. So, um, uh, it's a so it's a lovely night. It's it's a lovely night, isn't it? Um, I I I'm not sure how you got here. If I'm driving you home, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's lovely to be driving at this at this lovely time of night. Titus on the passenger side seat just sort of watches Faisal as he rambles on. So uh, uh, what was that? What was that long thing you put in the trunk? That um, that ex- exceptionally long. You talk a lot. When you're nervous, don't you, Professor Doctor? Well, I'm 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 a I'm a learned man, and I'm a, I have lots of thoughts and, and things to say. So I I talk a lot about the things that I'm thinking. But, I think it uh, improves. But you're nervous. Professionally speaking, no. Personally speaking, yes. I'm incredibly nervous right now. Mm. Titus rubs a hand over his mustache and beard. Not Faisal's mustache and beard, his own. It doesn't help that the size of your hand is about the size of my face, and I feel like if uh, something were to go wrong, you're just you're 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 an opposing individual. You um, you see what position it puts me in when the professional ghost hunter I've hired is nervous, don't you? Nervous? Did I say I was nervous? No, I'm not nervous. I'm just I'm anxious. Um, but not professionally. Uh, personally. Because Personally. you, it's me. Be, well, not not. It's well. I'm making you nervous. No, it's, is that what you're saying? Um, yes, yes, yes. It's you. I must apologize. I do seem to have that effect on people. They've rounded the last bend of the road that leads up to the church in the forest on the hill, and they're back on a slightly busier street, which means they've now seen one additional car as. This island is as, so empty. As Professor Dr. Faisal drives the familiar way back to the Horsley residence. So, uh, not to change the topic, uh, but uh, how's your mother? Is um, she doing well? Is she ha- happy? Hap- I don't know if she's ever been happy in her life, but... <laughs> um, mother is stuck in a rut. A rut. Um, physically, she's. Should we dislodge her? I think I have a towing cable in the. <laughs> no, not physically. She is. Oh. Metaphorically, emotionally. mentally, emotionally. Thank you. It's been um, rough. Well, I've already told you all this backstory crap about my dad or whatever. Well, why don't I take this moment to tell you about my mother? <laughs> <laughs> no, mother. Mother is. Is very far from okay. And um, really, I'm I'm making all this effort just to uh, protect her from another debacle like we had with father's funeral. If I'm just professional curiosity, um, hmm. not personal, but professional, how did that incident get resolved? Of course, if it's if it's too personal, then uh, well, no, it's professional, professional, not personal. So yes, I, I need to know for the the case. Of course. Everything was perfectly prepared. We were in the middle of the procession, the ceremony, 
Um, family was gathered, distant family on father's side. Uh, people who had plotted against him over the years, tried to take his wealth, were suddenly there crying. Plotted? Goodness. Yeah. All very uh, hypocritical. But at the same time, I think there was some real emotion in that place. Mostly father's latent emotions. You could feel him. You could feel him among the family. Also deep in a rut, I'm sure. Yes. It, um, there was a lot of love there, but there was also a lot of hate. Competition. You can only really hate somebody you love, you know? And as Titus glances over at Faisal, Faisal sees a gleam in his eye, a single gleam of tears. And Titus quickly averts his gaze and looks back out the window. Um, Dr. Faisal looks a little bit too long and a squirrel runs in front of him. He swerves on the road and he manages to get back on it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh God. But I, I, what I asked professionally about your father, I, I actually meant after he passed, when, when there was the ghost. Well, they lowered the casket into the grave. Everybody could feel there was something wrong. There was a strange wind, a coldness in the air. And like I said, you could feel him looking at us. You could feel his <sighs> hatred, frustration with the way things had gone between him and his more distant brothers and cousins. A more professional curiosity. Um, was your brother, uh, Terence Horsley, the, the late Terence Horsley, was he present? Terence wasn't there. No. Uh, father, uh, as, as in the last few days when his organs were giving up, he wanted Terence by his side. He was the one kid who he was always so proud of. And, um, well, Terence didn't make it in time. Still don't know why. He never really gave us a reason. In fact, Terence has been out of touch for a while now, and notice of his death came out of the blue for us as well. So you can imagine how my mother is doing. Now that I'm remembering the timeline, I remember that Terence actually passed away before your father. Did he? Fuck. <laughs> it's, it's, no, I, I understand what you were saying, that the as your father was ailing, that uh, Terence never visited and he was a That's rather... the important part, yes. <laughs> That's the tragic part. So anyway. Um, Faisal glances over at uh, Titus Horsley and there's a look in his eye that's more than just mourning and sadness. There's a look of, of malice when he speaks about Terence. He blames him for something. The death of the family, the hatred that's been around. Faisal can't quite pick it apart. He's a bit bumbling, but he can still pick that out of Titus's voice and his eyes. Anyway, as for the resolution of that situation, well, as everyone looked on, something rose from that grave. And I, I don't know how people explain it to themselves now. Ah. Uh, the pastor said it was some sort of sign from God. 
some people were like, oh, it's just like a will-o'-the-wisp, like a trick of the light, whatever. But I saw his face in that wisp. And I kept seeing his face for weeks after that, and it kept haunting my mother and seeing her crumble and just become this pile of flesh that sits there and smokes cigars all day. You know, she was a lively woman once. Oh my God. <laughs> and in front of Faisal, as if called into being by Titus Horsley himself, Rosalind Horsley stands in her nightgown in the center of the road. Faisal swerves. The tires <laughs> squeal. Spitting out of control. Making a full circle around, <laughs> making a full circle around Rosalind Horsley before sliding into a rut on the side of the road. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about being in a rut, but I feel like the, the tension's too high. A drip of blood runs down Titus's temple, where his forehead slammed into the passenger side window, creating a long spiderweb crack. Ah, doesn't this thing have airbags? Titus says, and the airbags <laughs> open. Faisal <laughs> uh, manages to push the car door open despite how bent it is, unbuckles a seatbelt, and crawls out up the side of the ditch along the road. Uh, do you need a, should I just, um... No, I'm 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 good. I'll just Titus's side of the door is smushed against the ground and he um just sort of <sighs> calmly gets up and clambers out the side past Faisal. They cr- they crawl up the grassy rut and back onto the asphalt of the street where Rosalind Horsley is still Standing. Mother, I don't usually like to yell at you, but what the fuck? Titus says. You can't just be standing out here in the street. What did did you right, see uh, another meta, meta talk really quick? Um give me give me a name. We we need a name for the that, father, Horsley. Yeah. Um Ralph. <laughs> Rosalind and Ralph. Rafi, um, Raphael. Ralph. Raphael. Raphael. <laughs> Michelangelo. Donatello. Let's make those jokes later. I'm going to go with Raphael. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Raphael, is that you? Rosalind takes a few steps forward. Jesus Christ, is she sleepwalking? Mom, it's me, Titus. Mother, you got to come inside. And he finally catches up to her and reaches for her arm. But Rosalind seems as though she never heard her son. She never flinched as the car sped in circles around her. She just takes another slippered step forward. Her eyes rolled back into her head. Raphael! When Titus sees the fact that he can only see the whites of his mother's eyes, something sinks inside his chest, and he calls over to Faisal. Get the, get the thing. Get the long case from the back the, of the, the, long, the, long the guitar case. case. The I case. think it was a guitar case, case. right? I'm not, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Faisal scrabbles up and then back down the hill and starts yanking at the trunk. And then up. he pulls the trunk open. And brings out the guitar case. Dark leather. Beautiful. It smells like a mix of attic and leather treatment. And um, it's heavy. Much heavier than he expected. He hoists it on his back and he scrabbles again up the muddy cliff. 
out of the rut and onto the road, and he, like a golf caddy, scurries up to Titus Horsley. Titus nods, thankfully, and takes the case from him and says, there's something out here. This has happened before, but it's, it's been months since she walked this far from home, and damn it, I thought I'd, I thought I'd finished him off last time. Something ghostly? Spectral? Titus meets his eye and nods. Faisal fumbles for his for his flute whistle. Titus grabs his mother by the arm and, and faces back toward the Horsley's residence, which is still 100, 200 meters off in the distance down the road. He says, we're going to have to walk back carefully. But, Raphael, I haven't had my coffee yet. <sighs> mother, ah, what's the point? He stops trying to talk to her and turns his attention to the case, grabs the zipper at the top and goes. <laughs> oh God, that was such a bad zipper sound. I, I can't, I, I couldn't hear it. it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do fucking zipper noise. <laughs> no wait, that's like a, that's like a fucking Harley. All right, no. <laughs> he meets Files eye again and says, you asked how the situation was resolved last time. Well, this is how. And he pulls from the guitar case a long, shiny, sharp metal guitar. No fucking way! I was going to go for the sword. But of course, of course. The neck and the head of the guitar ends in a double-barreled shotgun. Holy shit. Can we say that the body of the guitar is literally an axe and he's like, it's my fucking axe? <laughs> let's say let's say the body of the guitar is, is, the body of the guitar is, it looks like it might be sharp. Like you could probably <laughs> use it as an axe. It's not meant for that, it's a guitar shape, but you know, he brings out a fucking epic, shiny, silvery guitar. And with a snap of his fingers, a pick is in his hand and he strums one power chord. And the fog clears. Sam. Hi. Would you just <laughs> would you just sit down here in my chair and and wear this uh, apron and I'll and I'll get right to it. What uh, what kind of haircut were you looking for today? I was looking for a complete. Um, I'll get right to it. That sounds wonderful. Okay, that you I'm, didn't even listen to. I'm looking forward to this. Why don't you just just sit? If I could, if I could just tell you please, in please detail what it is sit. that I please. I'm okay. Sit. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. I'm wearing your apron. All right. Um, all yes. right. Now, before before you use that pair Could of scissors, you please put on your hands head, down. Put your hands down, just, or they might I, get in the I way. I need to be holding you away from my head before I've actually told you what I want. Okay. Ah. Uh, Can I tell you? Please enunciate clearly. I. I shall enunciate clearly. I don't always. I need you to shave a pattern into my scalp, not into my scalp, into my hair. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Um, namely, <laughs> great, great save. Um, namely, a logo. A logo. 
what kind of logo could I do for you it's today? It's the logo Sam? of a it's the logo of a podcast. Can you put Story Jazz and underneath now available on haircuts? I absolutely can. Story Jazz is my favorite podcast. Do you, no way. Do you happen to follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter? I happen to be half of them. And you know what? You happen to be the other half. Oh, dear. A crisis of self has fallen upon me. Yeah, I can see you looking in the mirror and just sort of questioning your entire existence. What are you doing in this hair salon? I don't know. Why are these scissors so long? Why are they oh so my God. long? <laughs> Hey, everyone. Uh, this is your sort of bi-weekly reminder to wash your face, wash your butt, uh, vaccinate your friends. Take care of yourself. Forcefully? Like vaccinate your friends forcefully? Or beg them to get vaccinated. Beg Sign them, them up for appointments. Yeah, it seems more legal that way. Yeah, this is the ad break where we advertise self-care and nothing else so far. I mean, we've had extensive um, communication with people who want us to advertise all sorts of heinous and scandalous products. Heinous. 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 A lot of products related to your hiney. Yeah, mostly mostly various brands of ketchup. Heinous. Yes. Um, Now you've already almost said they're brand. Well, now they're going to have to pay us, I think. Oh, well. Good for us. Bad for them. Good for us. Great. We're making a fortune (laughs) over here, guys. Um, Yes. Uh, Thanks for listening, following us on on Instagram and and Facebook and everything at StoryJazzCast, sending us emails at StoryJazzCast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, And it's so funny. You almost always say the email part. So I was like, is it that address? I also... I'm almost the only one who checks the email. I just report to you. <laughs> so <laughs> Ugh, I'm I'm so busy, you know. I don't I know. Uh, always yeah, it's because you do all of the editing for all of the episodes. Well, a lot of it. <laughs> so also I think that in a few days' time, we're probably gonna put up a poll on our Instagram to see what the next story arc is gonna yes. be. We're probably gonna continue one of the older arcs again, as we have done That's now with Ghost Hunters. But we don't know which one yet. So maybe you can be part of that decision. Yeah. You could totally email us now if you have an opinion, or you can wait for the poll to go on social media. Until then, we love you. We love you. All right, you want to you want to take us back in? Should we go? Should we go to Nelson Cameroon? I want to go in media's res. I'll, let me let me try something. Okay, okay, okay. We see a moldy, moldy corridor. Dank. Wet, dank, wet. dark, <laughs> dank, <laughs> sopping, dank, sopping. wet. For for a second, everything is quiet. Every sound that could possibly come into these walls is caught and muffled by the thick, sopping, dank, dank layer wet. of slippery, <laughs> of steamy, and algae on the walls. Glistening. The corridor is lit by a single ray of light that comes through a moss-covered window. Yes, the moss is even clinging to the windows. And then we start hearing squishing. And Graham and Horsley slash Anne Atheway come squishing around a corner and running down the corridor. Oh my God, 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 oh my God. Graham, Graham, breathe, breathe. Grab, <gasps> breathe, grab, grab. Spencer's behind them, ca- catching up with them. Slamming doors in their wake as they run through this unknown, undiscovered motel. 
there are more rooms in the mold wing and they don't know where they go. They're just running from room to room, slamming the door behind them, hearing the sound of Nelson Cameroon at a slow, gentle chase. It's just Graham, Spencer, and Atheway slash Horsley. Harriet isn't with them. Where's Harriet? Where's Harriet? Did you see where she did you see where she went? Graham, it's okay, says Spencer. She said she had an idea. We're just supposed to run. Okay. Graham looks at Horsley. Horsley Hathaway. Horsley Hathaway. Horsley Hathaway. Horsley Hathaway. Do you have any idea what her idea might be? I mean, you know this guy. Do you, any any chance that we could figure out what his deal is? And Horsley seems to think for a moment and then says, Oh, Graham, Spencer. Oh, it's a great time for a morning jog, isn't it? <laughs> Well, what exactly? Well, where are we exactly? Why does the smell so foul, so fetid? Graham and Spencer exchange a look. Oh boy, here goes this again. And they both raise a hand to slap Anne. Wait a second. Where's where's Harriet? Oh, this can't do. She gotta go jogging with us too. I'm gonna go find her. <laughs> Anne Anne quickly high fives the two of them. <laughs> it takes a hard left. <laughs> and the two run after her. Cut to Nelson Cameroon lumbering through the corridors of the motel. It's time to feast, he sings. Time to feast. (laughs) And an echo behind his voice, we hear another one. It's time to feast. It's time to feast. A woman's voice, barely audible, intermingled with his own. We'll layer that one in post so it sounds really cool. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. (laughs) We'll definitely. Harriet is under a table, down below a balcony below them. She tossed something the other way and distracted Nelson long enough for her to get there. She's rifling through her little pink backpack full of all of her old ghost hunting equipment because she just brought whatever she could on this so-called vacation. What the hell is he? What the hell is he? What do I use? What do you use? It's inside of him? What? How do I... (sighs) And she racks her brain, but as she's rifling through, she grasps something familiar in her backpack. And she shrugs for a second and goes, Maybe this will work. And she pulls out a half-rolled-up tube of toothpaste with Tagalog writing on it. (laughs) But she doesn't have the weird, like... Net. Net. All she's got is the toothpaste itself. Somehow, maybe shock it enough to, to make it come out of him. But is he going to die if I get the, 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 the wraith out of his body? What the? How can a guy have a wraith in his body and also be alive? And she shushes as she hears Nelson's steps on the balcony above approach her position. She realizes, why the hell am I talking to myself <laughs> in this tense situation like this? Okay, wait, wait. Let's like a quick pause here. Uh, what Do you want to voice Nelson or do you want to voice Harriet? Because I'm not going to make you voice both characters. I don't mind. You can you can pick one of them. I feel like I'm I do Harriet more often, and you you've done Nelson almost exclusively. Okay. So I'm going to make you do Nelson. Okay, cool. Why why am I talking to myself? Um, and then she's quiet for a second, hearing the st- footsteps, and then a knife plants itself in the center of the table she's hiding under. Hello, would you like to cook with me? I've got to chop some stuff up first, though. He says in a weird rhythm, and again we hear that woman's voice. Mixed in with his own. Harriet leaps out from under the table, 
and sees Nelson standing on the other side of it. And she walks in careful, squished steps, trying to stay exactly opposite of him as he rotates around as well. Somehow, it's almost like he like jumped down off the balcony. He's seething with some sort of spectral energy that seems to make his movements more powerful, his eyes more piercing. He points a soup ladle at her, and she points a tube of Tagalog-inscribed toothpaste back at him. (laughs) They're caught in a deadlock. No, no, no. We're not ready to brush our teeth yet, friend. (laughs) It's time to feast. It's time to feast. Will we eat veggies or will we eat beast? And as he says this word... (laughs) His canines flash unnaturally. And Harriet remembers, yes, when a wraith gets agitated, it gets, its energy rises. And, well, so must Nelson's energy now if there's a wraith living inside of him. She's heard of this concept before, but what is it? She doesn't have time to think as Nelson takes a step directly into the table. And he doesn't phase through it like a wraith. (laughs) But the table starts squelching through. I don't know what that sounded like. Squelching right through the mossy floor and starts to pin Harriet against the wall. But her eyes are on something else. On the far, far side of the room, on the wall, is an old, old net. A lobster-catching net. And it's so moldy, nothing remains but the metal frame. That's it. That's what she needs. Nelson reaches into the center of the table and yanks out the fish boning knife. And it gleams at her, as does his grin. Cooking. You wanted to cook. Cooking? And yeah? As he, he, has the, he has the knife raised above her. And as she says this, he nods and goes, Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, let's start. Dude, would you... Kindly put your hand on the table here and I'll just chop, start chopping. No, you, you said you didn't have any more, any more lobster, right? Yes. There's only one way to fix that. We just get more lobster. He scowls. Mm. And Harriet starts to squeeze out from the table. I know where we can get some. We just need, we just need uh, a net. And she points over to the wall. And Nelson turns very slowly. To look at the net, which really is just a metal frame and nothing else. Hmm. Not sure if that'll work. But a good bisque needs a good lobster. He's conflicted. Nelson. Nelson, you know me. It's Harriet. You know me. I've I've eaten your here before. I know how good your lobster is, and I would never let you go with subpar ingredients like like my hand. Hmm. I feel like you might have um, ulterior motives when you say that. Harriet's inching closer to the net. What if we try? Nelson, it's me, Harriet. It's worth a try, at least. Nelson seems to turn inward for a moment and seems to have an internal monologue. He's mouthing words, but we can't see what exactly he's saying. And then he looks at Harriet and says, Stay right there. Stay right there. Echoes another voice behind him. He turns around and he stomps, squishes off toward the lobster net. Reaches for it. Yanks it off the wall. With a 
a big like piece of moss peels off of the wall with it, revealing the just totally eaten up wood behind. It turns back around, holding up the metal frame. How's this gonna catch any? But Harriet is not pinned behind the table anymore. Uh, he looks left and right. Okay, here we go. Action sequence. But Harriet's already on the balcony, and she makes a leaping dive. With one outstretched hand and a tube of toothpaste in the end, she squirts it out as she falls, putting a nice, gentle ring around the edge of the net and lands in a tumbled roll just past Nelson Cameroon and disappears out the door. And she, she starts running and Nelson roars the, the, the putrid odor of this anti-spectral paste rising into his nostril. And he runs after her and uh, invisibly to us, a stream of anti-spectral energy env- envelops him as he pushes the net ahead in front of him. Holding it above his head, ready to strike her if she gets within range, but Harriet is too fast. She runs around the room up the stairs and back towards the bedroom that they originally came from, chanting in a low breath, I run in circles with great haste. I bind you, Spectre, with this paste. And then she dives back over the balcony again, having made a complete circle. And holds on to a chandelier to break her fall because she just fucking dove off. Um, (laughs) Swings on it. Um, as it breaks out of the totally decrepit ceiling, <laughs> she falls, hits her back pretty bad, but lands softly on Moss. <laughs> looks around. I'm just <laughs> over her shoulder. <laughs> oh my god! And she sees Nelson Cameroon looking dumbfound, holding a net in his hand, standing just outside the circle she just made, and a spectral, shining, electrifying figure of a small woman still trapped within the circle, just a foot behind him, as if she was torn out of his body. Conceptually, this being, she made a circle trapped in, and Nelson could go through, but she couldn't, so he pulled her out. So she pulled the specter out, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Nelson stumbled out of the circle. The specter is still in the circle, pushed against the side, against this invisible cage, screeching. (laughs) Electricity zapping her here and there. As she's struggling. And Nelson looks at this this ring that belonged to the net, and he, and he tosses it aside, furious, and there are still strands of spectral energy pulsating back and forth between them. The connection is strong. He's being pulled toward the circle again, and Harriet runs at him and pushes into him full force with one shoulder, trying to keep him out of the circle. But he's a huge dude. She's pushing up against his chest and his stomach, trying her damnedest to keep him from reconnecting with the wraith still bound by the paste just a just a few feet behind her. No! Angelic! Angelic! Ha! Nelson is babbling now. You can't... No, you... We wanted to be together forever. I can't be even more alone than this. I can't be even more alone. And he's pushing with all his force, but it seems like his energies are wavering, but... With every tiny step he makes toward the wraith, he gets stronger, and he's pushing against Harriet 
threatening to crush her into the ground. And then a voice comes from behind him. Hey, you big oaf, stay the fuck away from my friend. As a foot with nice pink flats on them makes firm contact with Nelson Cameroon's jaw. Anne Athaway flies over his head, sending him sprawling backwards and lands next to Harriet. One foot forward, one foot back, both arms ready like she's done several years of martial arts and is actually quite proficient at it. <laughs> I always knew you were a, a, a little creepy, but I thought it was just part of the whole spooky aesthetic of, of this place. I didn't realize you were actually one of them, one of them, one of them perverts. It's as if she isn't seeing the wraith trapped in this electrified cage. <laughs> but Spencer, behind her, can. A Graham can't see it anyway. He just sees like, the occasional spark. But, but Spencer can see the sort of ghostly, chilling figure bound within almost as clearly as Harriet herself. Spencer and Graham rush to Harriet's side and, and help her up as Nelson Cameroon rolls onto his stomach and gets onto his knees. No, you have to let me back with Angelica. I'm so empty without her. And he rushes again toward the wraith, screeching, Spencer, hold him back. Spencer, says Harriet. And Spencer nods. He just, he braces himself, puts a shoulder into Nelson Cameron's chest, and pins him against the wall. Two huge men grappling each other. It's kind of hot if it weren't so horrifying. <laughs> Graham grabs an arm. So does Anne. And Harriet runs up to Nelson, her Tagalog toothpaste tube in one hand. Okay, hold him like that. Oh, I don't know how long we could hold him, Harriet. He's really, really strong, says Spencer. Um, Graham sees Harriet's... Uh, Graham sees the toothpaste tube in Harriet's hand and something clicks in his brain and he says, open his mouth. That's it, right? Harriet nods and Graham and Spencer uh, grab Nelson's head and try to wrench his jaw open while Anne looks at everybody and goes, what the hell? What the bloody hell? Are you? Wait, in his mouth? This seems a little, a little and then, excessive. And she, she shakes her head and just goes, whatever, the pervert deserves it. And she gives him a firm kick right in the groin. And and that's it. That does it. That <laughs> that forces Nelson's mouth open in a agonized gasp. And um Harriet rushes at him, sort of jumps up on Spencer's back to get close enough. And squeezes the tube in a small circle around his lips. And the last strand of spectral energy that connected Nelson to the soup wraith that once lived inside him severs. And like a noodle slurped from a soup, rejoins the wraith, which now a being of pure energy in an energy cage cannot maintain its spectral form. And with a sad, sad screech, disintegrates. And something shifts in Nelson when he sees the love of his life leave this realm. Nelson's body, previously tense in every muscle, suddenly goes limp. A deep sadness overcomes him. The sheen of his eyes goes um, matte, and he falls limp to his knees. They let him go, and he just falls to his knees, whispers, Angelica. And then he's out cold, splat on the moist ground. His skin seems to have 
paled and shrunken back against the muscles underneath. His blue veins are visible, but they don't seem to be pumping any blood. He looks like a corpse. Oh, is he dead? Says Anne Atherway. I didn't mean to kick him so odd. <laughs> Harriet raises a hand, looks at Anne and says, Thanks, Anne. You really came in the nick of time. I'm sorry. And Anne smiles before feeling a hard palm on the back of her head. <laughs> and Horsley's back. He looks at Nelson on the ground. You beat him? Is he okay? Is he... He doesn't look too good. And Horsley goes down on his knees and says, Hey, Nelson, old buddy. <laughs> um, and he sort of touches Nelson's face. Is the only sound that Nelson makes. And everybody breathes a sigh of relief. Oh, gosh. Harriet especially. Ah, she didn't know if she was going to be able to separate the two without um, killing... Nelson. Graham pipes up. So what do we what do we do about Nelson? He's he's still he's still a human. He's still like like alive, like a normal like a normal dude, right? Um Harriet nods. Yeah, he was um I just remembered the term. He was a revenant. <laughs> like that Leonardo DiCaprio no? Oh, sorry. Continue. Basically, he's well, he must have died for a moment. At some point. There must have been space in his body for a specter to invade it. And well, since Angelica was his wife and she died, she looks around the group and then back at Nelson on the ground. Well, maybe he wanted to follow her into death, but his memory of her was so strong that it created a wraith, which in turn possessed him and kept him from dying with spectral powers. So he was like a host, says Spencer. He was like a host for Angelica's yeah. soul. Kind of like how like how yeah. Anne's a host for Dr. Horsley. And they all look at Horsley slash Anne. Horsley looks at everyone and says, wait, so I'm going to become like this? No. No, no, no. Doctor, we're going to get you back into your body. Well, Harriet says, if we're fast enough. I, I promise we're, we're not going to let this happen to you. Well, to be specific, actually, this is what would happen to Anne. You would be more like, and then Graham looks at the, at the sort of sparkling cage that used to exist just a few feet away. <laughs> You'd be more like whatever, whatever that was. Horsley looks terrified. And um, Harriet shrugs and says, that is if we mess up, and we're not planning to do that, are we? Spencer and Graham shake their heads and take in a deep breath. And Harriet nods. Just as the glimmer of light of the morning shines in through the window. <laughs> it was a very short night, but you know. <laughs> There's a lot of running. Harriet looks at her watch that she's always wearing. She always has a watch <laughs> on, right? Um, well, we have three hours until the funeral service begins. Uh... Does that mean, should I finish reading the uh, spark notes for the book, says Graham? Yeah, probably. And um, we should figure out what to do with big guy here. And she nudges Nelson with her foot. Well, I, I could I could make him some food, says Graham. 
I mean, I've definitely woken up Spencer and he's looked like that and grab points at <laughs> Nelson and my cooking always fixes it. So let's just give it a try. Oh God, yes, says Hoisley. Oh, I feel so hungry all of a sudden. What, what could you make, Graham? Yeah, anything that's not spectral would be great, Harriet interrupts. Everybody suddenly feels this huge gaping hole in their stomachs as the huge amount of lobster bisque they ate has disappeared. Uh, Spencer, you want to just read me the spark notes as I cook? Spencer nods. That actually sounds very relaxing. And he swallows and bends down and heaves Nelson up on his shoulders. And uh, Harry goes, you need some help with that? And Spencer goes, no, no, I got it. And somehow <laughs> lifts this enormous dude up with his arms over his shoulders and just sort of wears him like a backpack and trudges through the moss to leave the mold wing. Well, let's uh let's hope they got eggs. That's me doing a power chord. <laughs> <laughs> With each wah of the whammy bar. <laughs> the fog clears a little further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like flutters as it clears. And with the final note, and the fog totally pushed to the very reaches that sound could be heard, another figure is visible at the end of the road. There are four people standing on a lonely street as the sun starts to creep over the horizon. There is Rosalind, Horsley, eyes rolled into the back of her head, slippers on and nightgown adorned. There is Professor Dr. Faisal, a childish flute whistle clenched so tightly in one hand it might break at any minute. He goes back and forth with it. This is working, I, I think it's working. And there is Titus, Horsley, a strap over his shoulder, and a truly, and truly an axe of a guitar. In, in his hands, shotgun pointed directly down the road. At the fourth figure, the unmistakable, gaunt, stretched body of Terence Horsley. Fuck, Titus says under his breath. Fuck. Fuck. <sighs> He shoots a glance at Faisal, who cringes. He's trembling with a whistle. <laughs> you knew you'd fucked up, didn't you? Titus says. Yeah, don't even try. And he pumps the shotgun, which also at the same time sounds like a really sick fucking um, pick scratch. Like... <laughs> that's my best that's awesome. my best awesome awesome <laughs> sound effect why'd you have to do this brother he calls across the street brother i'm your father don't you recognize me son we look so much alike says the voice of Raphael Horsley, the father, the patriarch of the Horsley family. And Titus is confused for a moment, then scared, then resolved, and he grabs for his next 
cord. Rosalind, my dear, I feel like you may have dropped this. And he pulls a mug from behind him. <laughs> yes, the mug returns. Can you tell us now, is it paper or porcelain? But the fog has crept in, so we can't quite tell what the mug no! is made of. No! <laughs> the mystery remains. <laughs> yes, oh. as, as Titus plays one more chord, he strums it not top to bottom, but bottom to top. And suddenly, the fog closes around them again. And Faisal looks confused as the line of sight to the to the ghostly creature is now closed. And is, doesn't this put them in more danger? But Titus just meets his eye, grabs his mother tighter, and says, Run. Did you just wipe your face with a mask? <laughs> you just wiped your face with a mask. No. <laughs> I saw you look around your desk for something and then just pick up the mask and kind of shrug and then wipe your face with it. Well, you know, it's summertime. This one's kind of broken. I can use this one. <laughs> all right. Uh, this this one goes out to, to all of our... Oh, my God. Sam is wiping his groin with his mask. At this point, it's really truly is a thong. This one goes out to all of our, our listeners. Please use your masks responsibly. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the, hygiene, the hygienic effects of using the mask are mitigated if you use it to wipe the sweat off of your body and then you know breathe what? through I it. I don't know if that's true. There haven't <laughs> been studies. If it still filters the aerosol, which it probably does it's, better if it's moist. I think it does still filter, but I think if you're exhaling through the mask, you're now exhaling your particles, your sweat particles out into the world. Right. Which is what you're trying to mitigate by wearing the mask. But I'm not trying to mitigate my sweat from spreading by wearing the mask. I'm trying to mitigate my breath from spreading. Yeah, I, I, I think I think COVID's probably can, through through sweat glands. I think it's probably possible to contract it. So don't breathe people's sweat, folks. Yes, yes. That's the moral of the story. Thank you. <laughs>